we just thank you for this time that we have. We ask you to bless it and guide and lead us and, and, and work with us as we look at your word. And we just thank you in your son's precious name. Amen. Hey, we're going to be looking at uh, being a child of promise. Uh, kind of interesting that this is very close to Sunday morning's message, but we're going to expand upon it a little bit. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 7 through 16. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of the faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit of faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of man, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannuls or adds thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not unto to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, which is Christ. All right, we're going to look at this because this is the next one, being the child of promise. And the question, of course, is which promise? And just like we talked about Sunday, it is the promise of Abraham, the covenant of Abraham. Abraham. Uh, that the main points on that, that he'd be a great nation. We are be, we become in Abraham through Christ. We become a great nation. It's God's kingdom. He's going to rule. It says that we are blessed, and we are blessed. We God meets our needs, and He's going to give us a great name. And as you know, as Christians, we have a name. If, you know, we don't always live up to it, but we have a great name. And then that we will be a blessing to others. And as we carry the gospel and share the gospel, we are. <laughs> You know, being a blessing to others. Um, That's so, important. Huh? That's important. That's probably the most important part for us that we're a blessing to others. Uh, and because we have more good news. We have the good news. Yeah. We have the only good news that's yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, and people are going to be blessed. I mean, if it wasn't for us delivering that gospel to everybody, and when we got saved, God would just take us to heaven, and and we'd be over. Now I don't know how the next generation would be <laughs> getting the gospel, but. You know, if it wasn't for, you know, for us, for our job to do that. So we're going to kind of look at this a little bit. It says, Know ye not that they that are of the faith are the same as the children of Abraham. And just like we said Sunday, children here is literally offspring. Okay, and so when we are saved, we are considered the offspring of Abraham. Actually part of his family, which then, of course, flows into being part of God's family, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, but then it says, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. And again, we get to the end there where it talks about 
Jesus is the seed that he's talking about. Just as when we go all the way back to Genesis 3.15, it says, your seed shall bruise his head, talking to the woman. Okay, and it was the, you know, the, the first prophecy of Jesus. All right, and so it's been the seed all the way through the scriptures. You can follow the, 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 the plan of salvation from the very beginning all the way through to when it is actually delivered when Jesus was here. Uh, so it, it's, it's, and that's what we want, always want to remember. A lot of people will try to say, well, you know, God didn't know that man was going to sin. It was all a surprise. But God knew that he was going to sin. He had the plan all in, in place. And we see the scripture, we see the gospel all through the Old Testament. Even though it was all about the law, showing that they were sinful, we also see God's grace. We see it in Abraham, the way he lived. We see it in, in Noah. Noah received, you know, by grace was Noah chosen. Uh, we see it in Joshua, who wasn't a perfect man, but he was given grace to be successful. We see it in Daniel and, jo and Joseph. We see it, see it all through the scripture. And, you know, so it wasn't a new plan. It was a plan from the beginning. Verse 9, so then they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. We are blessed because... Of faith, and again, remember what we said about faith. Do you remember what we said about faith? What, how is faith defined? Do you remember? Um, belief in action, faith in action. Very good. It's actually action. It, it's it's an absolute convinced mm -hmm. of a truth of something, yeah. but it has to lead to action. Yeah. If I say I believe something, but I don't act on it, mm -hmm. then I'm really saying, basically saying, I don't believe it. Well, you're so convinced that you step out and do something. Yeah. Uh, like, um, that's what I was telling her. Like at first, she couldn't communicate with the, her son's father, and now there's conversations that, and they're they're not harsh to each other. Good. They're short. But they're not harsh. And like today, when her dad came over, he was really. He was happy that what I was, what we'd done to the house so far. Okay. Yeah. Good. Totally happy with that. You know, he didn't make, you know, say it too much out loud, like tons, but he did basically said he was happy with it. That's great. You know, so that was good, you know, that, you know, at least he seemed as productive as him on it. Yeah. That's why I told her it wasn't us. That wasn't us. Yeah. That was definitely God in control on that one. <laughs> he was in a bad mood when we showed up. Left in a bit, decent mood anyway. Left in a really happy mood. Oh, good. No. Good. Because we try to leave the Christian radio station playing all the time over there. And that, and that's what you want because I, I love hearing preaching and, and music because it it really builds up builds up your spirit, and so that's good. And then it affects people to come in as well. Verse ten: For as many as a as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continues not in all the things that are that are written in the book of the law to do them. And that is Deuteronomy 27, 26. And, and this is what the purpose of the law was all the time. It was never there designed for somebody to live by and please God. It was there to show people that they are under the curse. They cannot keep the law. And we've talked many times, 613 laws, and we can't even keep, you know, what most people know, the Ten Commandments, we can't even keep the Ten Commandments, much less all the other laws. And their purpose was literally 
to show that we need Jesus. That we need God because we can't do it. And that is the great thing because that's one thing I love about Christianity is that it is live in Jesus, let Jesus live through me. You know, I don't have to do it all because I can't. I, and when I learn that I can't do it, then I'm more gracious and loving to other people who can't do it because I realize I can't do it, they can't do it. And that should generate love yeah, but it should to everybody else. Somebody like, oh, I'm just going to blame it on this just because, you know, but, you know, because people ultimately should be good people. You know, we all have our issues and our things, you know, and I'm just thankful that me and Johnny are getting along because we're both new in the faith. And he's probably not forever like me, but I don't know for sure, but... You know, we seem like we could talk on a grown-up level about yeah. things and actually use what we Yeah. Mean. Well, I pray for that yeah. wisdom and how to apply it and yeah. the strength to, to apply it. And the more we get into his word, the more we spend time being taught and fellowship with each other, and we, we get that more and more become like him. And that's the key to everything because... I know people that have gone to church all their life, but they never let Jesus actually grab hold of their life. And they've not saying they're not saved. They, if they said, you know, they really meant the prayer to Jesus, they're saved, but they've not grown because they've not let him crucify their flesh. Uh, and then you get people who just want to follow a bunch of rules and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm righteous because I'm following all the rules, and that's not going to do, do it either. And, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't do anything. It doesn't mean that we don't step out and talk to people. It doesn't, you know, uh, all of that comes through him changing who we are, and we get victorious. And that's what verse 11 says. But no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. And we've I've talked before about that. This is this is quoted. It, it, it's quoted first in Habakkuk two four, and it's also in Galatians uh, three here, and it's in Hebrews ten thirty six and Romans one seventeen. This statement is quoted in in many places. So God thinks it's important. The just. How do we get just? God justifies us, and then we live by faith, and that is what we learn. We step out in. When God says go, we go out and we step out. And it can be very scary. It can be, you know, hard to do sometimes when we make those first steps. And then we find that God is faithful and he blesses and honors our steps. And, you know, it's very important when we first step out to be a teacher. We first step out to, to witness to somebody. We first step out to do whatever for God, that first step of faith is always the hard one. Yeah. It's always. It's always going to be the hard one. After backsliding for so long, you know? Uh -huh. You know, because I'm just getting back into my faith after 13 years, even though I still had my faith, you know, so it's been like nine months. You know, and I'm doing really good. I'm mm -hmm. having my things that I'm struggling through, just like frustrations. And yeah. Then, you know, but they're getting better. They're not that bad, actually. It's just, you know, I'm trying to figure out the layout of things. Right. So that's good that I know I'm to that point. He's lightened our load. We can so. see it. We can see it. We see it yeah. every day that he lightens our load. And I can see it in the way you guys are changing as time is going on. Yeah. A lot of frustrations releasing yeah. in my mind because I'm, it's probably because I'm a woman and I OCD and I like to have certain things a certain way and just make sure that if my dad was to get older, make sure he had things cleanliness-wise a certain way, yeah. you know, for himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And one of the things, I've taken lots of different classes on how to witness to people, and it would always be funny because everybody will throw out these really bizarre, what if this happens? And, I, and a lot of times, I'm not usually the one teaching it, but I, I've, I've even said it at times, you know, I've talked to a lot of people over the years, and nobody's ever said or did what you suggested, you know, and, and, and people are afraid. When they, when they think about going out and sharing their faith with people, they're afraid of what somebody will say or do, and they come up with some of the biz most bizarre questions, and it's like, okay, well, that's, Our answer. you know. Don't worry about the really crazy stuff. If they come up, then you just say, I don't know the answer. Let me go find the answer. Or, you know, it's, it's so important that we just learn to step out because we start concentrating on everything we're afraid of. We're never going to do anything. And that's true of anything that we do. Yeah. If I concentrate on all the possible things that could go wrong on anything, you know, let's say you're learning to drive a car and you start thinking about all the bad things that could happen to you as you, as you drive a car. And yes, there's lots of bad things that can happen to you when you drive a car, but you're never going to even get behind the wheel if you think about all the bad stuff that could happen. And those are just the odds anyways. Yeah. yeah, they are. And, and usually they are the odd things. You know, you might have a minor accident, you know, but some people think about driving off cliffs or having all four tires blow. You know, all the funny things people think of you know, that are way out there that have never happened to, you know, most, most people. And it's the same thing when we walk in the spiritual world. Satan is going to hit us. Our own fears are going to hit us with all the crazy possible things we can think of. And the thing about it is most of those things are never going to come, no, never happen. And it's pretty much what fear is all about anyway. Whenever you fear something in the future, most of what you fear doesn't come true anyway. You know, so we don't really, we need to start being careful and avoid walking in a fear and just walk in faith and say, okay, God, you know, you're in control and if something goes wrong, then we'll deal, we'll, we'll learn how to get rid of, you know, fix it in the future. Well, that's what I've been trying to do. Even with the house, we'll turn on the Christian channel and before I know it, the paint, I can do my math pretty well. The paint went a lot further than it was supposed to. Yeah. Too. Mm -hmm. So we're getting there. It's becoming nicer if you just do your memories or whatever. Good. You know, but the house, you know, it does need to be prayed for, just like every other house. Mm -hmm. Not our cell, you know, if that's what they Jesus became a curse. He took the curse of the law that we deserved. And in so doing, he redeemed us. And redemption is that whole idea of buying back. You know, he bought us back. And literally, the, the word indicates that he bought us back from the slave market. Okay, we were slaves to sin, and he died to pay the price so that he could buy us out of, that, out of the sin and give us a new life. It cost a price. It wasn't something God couldn't just say. And the reason he couldn't just say that we would be forgiving is because of his holiness and his justice. Sin had to be paid for. So he did what it took, and that was he paid for the sin. Otherwise, we'd have been without any hope. Uh, and this is why it's so sad when you come across all these people who are trying to say, 
well, I hope my good my good works, you know, will will get me to heaven, or you know, I I've done more. I hope I've done enough good to outweigh my bad. You know, the only problem is God doesn't grade on that kind of a scale. You know, He grades on perfection. You're either perfect or you're not. And we've been talking a lot about this over the last couple of weeks. You know, God has a standard. Okay, He has a standard, and He says this is perfect. Anything short of perfection means that we've missed his mark and we have failed. We as humans kind of have this large gray area where, okay, well, I didn't quite tell the whole truth, but I didn't really, you know, lie. I just didn't tell them everything they needed to know. You know, and somehow that is not a lie. It's okay, but God says, no, you didn't tell the truth. Uh, and then we look how Jesus raised the standard. You know, if you're angry with a brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Now, are the consequences the same as actual murder? No, but as far as God's concerned, we still committed murder. You know, which means we're short of the mark of not committing murder. If we look at somebody lustfully, we've committed, you know, in our heart, adultery and, and fornication. And so God says, my standard's way up there. You know, and whether I miss it by a quarter inch or a million miles, I still miss the mark. It would be just like if you're you're trying to jump over a you know a, a wide ditch. If you jump, you know, if it's eight feet wide and you jump one foot, you're in the ditch. If you jump seven seven feet three inches, or seven feet eleven inches, you missed. But you, you're in the hole. You're not. You didn't. You know, and that's where God's standard is. Except that His standard is so far out that, that we can't even come even that close to making it. But even if we could, we still miss. We miss it, and this is why Jesus had to go out and redeem us, and it cost a great price. And when we really get to where we understand the cost of bringing us to Him, you know, the cost of bringing us to Him is great. And then he says, the just shall live by faith. And that doesn't mean I sit around just waiting, okay, God, what are you going to tell me to do? You know, I go out and I step out because God very rarely tells us everything we need to know before we step out. Sometimes I think it's good that he doesn't tell us everything that we need to know before we step out because we'd probably be so scared we wouldn't step out. Uh, or arrogant, or, or arrogant, knowing that, you know. But a lot of times what God has in the long plan for us is so big that it would scare, you know, would scare us into act, in, inactivity if we understood where he's going to take us. I'm sure Billy Graham, when he first started preaching, was not thinking, I'm going to be in a million, you know, preaching to millions of people at one time. He probably would have been terrified of the idea of preaching in front of millions of people until he worked his way up the... The, the groups. And so I mean, when God does this for us, he, he shows us just one step at a time. says, take that step, and I'll show you the next one. And I'll show you the next one. And pretty much we, if we're good at training, we do the same thing with people. We don't try to overwhelm them with everything they're going to need to do by the end of the year. You know, uh, we show, okay, this is what you need to know how to do this part of the job. Then you learn to do you know, this part of the job, and we work them up <laughs> to, you know, uh, uh, you know, like if you, when you were doing your glass, I'm sure you didn't say, okay, you're going to grab that piece of glass, hang it up there on the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but they throw it right in your lap, so here you go, now you can try. 
Yeah, but there's that stair-stepping of, yeah. of where you go. You're not trying to show them everything they're going to do in one, in one, one thing because it's too much. And God does the same thing with us. He takes us and progresses us up as we move. And it's called growth and it's called learning. And God says, but we need to have the faith to take that first step. God, I know that you're trustworthy. You're going to keep me. You're going to protect me. I'm going to take that first step. And sometimes you'll shut the door in our face and say, no, you're not. In, <laughs> that wasn't the direction I wanted you to go. Other times he says, okay, now let me show you the next one and the next one. Yeah. And, and then each time that you go out, he gives you a bigger job to do. You were successful in the small jobs that he took, took you in, and he'll increase the job, give more responsibilities to people, and say, okay, I'm going to grow. You're going to grow. When I first started teaching at Sunday school, it was only about four or five kids. Uh, I was very young at the time, and, and probably probably was crazy enough not to be afraid of the kids, but but it was a, it was a it was something new, and there was nervousness to it. Uh, first time I taught 50 kids, it wasn't you know it wasn't quite as bad because I'd grown up at that point. But God will help us learn what we're going to do and move forward. But uh, says in verse 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The Gentiles which are probably everybody of us in this town. I don't know that there's I don't even know if we have any Jews in this town but you know that everybody else would be a Gentile. No, you know, I think Alan owns a store. Oh, Alan? Okay, so we have at least one Jew in town. So he would not fit this verse. <laughs> and he's from so, but the whole idea of Gentiles being saved, that was something the Jews did not understand. You, you could, you could prost become a proselyte and become a Jew and get circumcised and agree to follow all the rules of the, of the Judaism, but they didn't understand faith being applied to the Jews. And even then, they, you know, if you proselyze, you were kind of a second-class Jew anyway because you weren't born of Abraham. Uh, and so here is this, Paul saying that Gentiles are going to become part of the promise of Abraham. And what's an ascetic Jew? Like they, and they had Very strict. Yeah. Very strict by following all the laws. Because they had, in Chicago they had Jews and they had ascetic Jews. And the ascetic Jews had the banks and the stone outlets and both the Lincolns and the Cadillacs. They were the ones that follow all of God's laws to the, to the letter. Mm -hmm. uh, Usually most successful. Mm, probably because they were getting blessings for, for honoring God's way of doing things. Um, so, and then it, we do look at this verse 16, the last one we read. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said, Not to your seeds as to many, but as to one, and to the, your seed, which is Christ. So that goes back to where we started at. Jesus was the seed that was going to bring the blessing to the nation, to all nations, and to the world. And it would go and all you know. It started with you know we see it in Abraham, but it goes all the way back to Genesis three fifteen and all through the scriptures. I posted it for Sunday school. It's called the Scarlet Thread, the the redemptive thread that's, that winds its way all through the scriptures. And as we look at them, we're going to turn to Romans. Nine. In verse eight. 
Let's start with seven. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted for the seed. And this is the word of the promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but he, he that called them. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. We're going to look at this a little bit. This is where it says, when the, the children of the flesh are not the ones that are called. It's the children of promise. And this takes us back to Abraham. Abraham decided, and Sarah got together, said, We're not having a children. We're getting old. He, he gave her Hagar, and then he had Ishmael. And Ishmael was always a pain in the, in the side for uh, uh, Isaac. I uh, made fun of him when he was little, so much so that Sarah said, Get rid of them, kick them out. Uh, and they're still a problem to this day. Uh, Ishmael's descendants are still a, promise to the, a problem to this day, and they were the children of the flesh. This is what Abraham did in his flesh, and he caused a problem. And we can do the same thing. We're, we're children of the flesh, and sometimes we'll, uh, of the, of, excuse me, children of promise because we're saved, but we will still act a lot of times in the flesh and cause problems for our own life and, other, you know, and those around us because we have stepped out of faith into the flesh. And this is, this is the hard part for us, is to learn to be spiritual. And we all make that mistake, every one of us, no matter how long we've been walking with God, we step out into the flesh. Um, hopefully we get less and less stepping out in the flesh as we grow, but we're still gonna step out in the flesh and make mistakes. And those mistakes will have consequences that are due to them. And that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, and this one said here that the children of promise are counted for the seed. Or this word literally is reckoned or imputed. Or, you know, it's that whole idea of reconciling. God says that when you've made your decision that we are counted as Abraham's children. This is something I've never noticed before, but becoming Abraham's ch children. It's not just the Jews. We as Christians are planted in Abraham with his, with his blessings. And just as I said Sunday, it doesn't mean that we replace the Jews, that God doesn't have a plan for them. He still has a great plan for them. I don't know about great. They get to go through the tribulation, but he has a plan for them. And he's going to keep them through the tribulation period when the whole world is coming against him one more time. Uh, and it, you know, it's really a scary time now as we see more and more anti-Semitism coming on. All across the world, this is happening again. And it keeps happening over and over, and this may or may not be the, the last time it leads to the, to the Great Tribulation, but it is becoming a big problem. We see it in Europe really big now. We see it all through the Middle East, but that's always been in the Middle East. But we're seeing it in Asia. We're seeing it in America really building up again. And it's a really scary thing because it means more trouble for the Jews. And we may be headed, and I think we are, because I really do believe we're at the, end, at the end days. 
we may be headed toward the tribulation, which is a great time for us as Christians because we will be taken home. We will celebrate while God does the final seven years of tri tribulation for the Jews. Uh, so it's an exciting time. It's a sad time, but it's an exciting time. Uh, we want to pray for the Jews. We want to pray for Jerusalem. We want to pray that if this isn't the right time, that we help in whatever way we can to keep it from happening. But if it is the end times, it's going to happen. Uh, but we want to be careful because we don't want to be fatalistic and say, okay, it's supposed to happen, so I don't want to do anything. No, we want to pray for them. We want to, you know, when we hear somebody that is saying something, you know, anti-Semitic, we want to say, no, that's, you know, especially in the Christian world because there's a lot of Christians that just say, you know, there's a, what's called replacement theology where there's this idea that the church has replaced the Jews in God's kingdom. And it doesn't make sense because it doesn't fit the scriptures, but that is an idea that's out there. And we are in the kingdom error. error. And when Jesus was crucified, the time clock for the Jews kind of stopped for a period of time. He's dealing with the church. When he takes the church home, the time clock for the Jews st starts ticking again, and they go through their, their trouble. But they have never been displaced. The, the promises of Abraham are still there. The land of Israel... Well, actually, all of the Middle East pretty much belongs to them, according to God. And God's going to protect them. So all of that is out there. They are, they are the promise. We are, we are adopted in or declared to be part of it. Uh, the Old Testament talks about being engrafted into the root of the olive tree, which olive tree represents Israel. And the Christians are attached to the to the olive tree we don't replace the olive tree but we're tapped into them at their root and and we become basically spiritual Jews and then with what you were saying on that pastor is like I believe the same way you know um, like we can't create our own world to where you know we have faith in it because we do what we do you know we have faith in Jesus and mm -hmm. we have faith in God because they always make it better for us because if we fall pathways and their guidelines and things. It's not even guidelines. It's just like a good way of life to live. Nobody gets hard for us as, as people because we get mad or we get frustrated or we get sad or whatever the case might be. Or not feel nothing, you know, whatever. But, you know, Jesus is always there for us. You know, and mm -hmm. the church can't replace that. But the church is there to help. You know, because if the world ends, the world ends. Yeah. You know, it's going to and it's important because you, you hit it on the same thing. We're not replacing the church uh, the uh, Jews, and the church is made up of individuals, and then the individuals help each other, yeah. you know, because it says that iron sharpens iron, and sometimes we rub each other the wrong way and may not even like what's being said. So we get dull. You know, well, actually, it, when, you, it, when, the rub, you know, you, when you want to sharpen a knife, you use a steel, and you run it down the steel, and it, cuts, it takes the burrs away and makes it sharper. Uh, and the same thing happens to us. We don't get dulled by brushing up against each other. We get sharper by rubbing up against each other. It redefines our edge. Yeah, it, it, fine, it fine tunes the edge and makes it sharp. And is it fun to be sharpened? I guarantee you it's not fun to be sharpened. You know, when somebody says, well, you need to try to do this better because they're able to, you know, you know them well enough that they're going to say, and you listen to them, then you may not like what you're hearing, but if you listen to them, it resonates with you that it is a correct statement. Uh, I've got the 
the men that I meet with that I talk about oftentimes, and we both we've all given each other the permission to say some pretty hard things at times. And doesn't mean that we're going to like what they say to us all the time. You know, what my friends are going to say to me all the time is not something I like necessarily. But they know me. They know my weaknesses. They know my strengths, and they know how to say, "Hey, uh, you know, you're not you're not doing this right, or you're, you're headed the wrong direction." And you might bristle when you first hear that criticism, but if you really say, "Okay, they love me. They're trying to help me," <laughs> and you come up with, "Oh, yes, I need to do this." Same thing when you listen to a teacher. You know, I listen to all these teachers on the radio who are teaching their churches, and sometimes they say things that really strike me and say, I'm not doing this right and I'm going to have to get my, my act together in that area. And I'm sure that that happens when I preach myself. The people are hearing things and saying, oh, I don't know if I like that. You know, and, but they, God touches their heart and it says, okay, yeah, I need to, need to change this. And because God is always in there saying, okay, let's, you know, here's another edge for you to knock off. Here's another edge for you to knock off. And we'll be doing that for the rest of our life. Following God for 44 years, I'm a, I'm a long ways down the path, but I've got a long ways yet to go. And God, God still says, "Okay, I'm going to rub you with some sandpaper, or I'm going to lop off a whole, whole great big branch here that's go, you know producing the wrong fruit." And you know, we will spend our entire life being perfected. Yeah, but that's okay. <clears throat> I mean, it's well, it's okay because it's yeah, it's what we need. Perfected. It's what we need. That's our sanctification that we're, that we're processing through. They become more and more righteous and more and more sanctified as he does this. And I become more perfect. I will never reach perfection until I reach heaven. But hopefully I'm more perfect today than I was 44 years ago. And I know that I am. I am nowhere near perfect. But I don't make all the same mistakes that I made 44 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. And God builds upon each lesson that he gives me, he builds upon and takes me to the next level of the lesson. And if, I learn, if you learn your lesson well enough the first time, the next level, even though it's a lot higher, a lot harder, doesn't seem to be as bad. Because you've already been... You know, stepping up that, that step. And he may take you a big step, but you've been there. You've gone through something before, and it's, it becomes a lot easier to take that step, unless you fight it. And But this is a whole thing. We are supposed to be children of the Spirit. And that takes time. It takes, you know, God working. And it takes me surrendering. And we've been talking a lot about how we surrender. Uh... To, to do all of this stuff and he does and I love it that he does the work all I've got to do is let him do it and the more I surrender to what he's doing the easier that transition is from step to step and, and you know, lopping off and crucifying that section the more I fight it and, and work against him the harder it is and and we, you know, we, we fight and we struggle and no, you're not, you're not cutting that part off. I like that part, you know, and that's usually what we say, even though we're not saying it out loud. We're going, God, you can't have that area. I like this area. I'm not going to let you crucify it. Uh, and that's what we're saying inside, even though we might not actually verbalize it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's so important that we allow him to make this change. 
and, and it's wonderful when we do. The more we learn to just re relax and surrender, the easier our life goes. And the, and the less trouble we have with other people. And this is what I talk to people about, the idea of God is our strength, God is our refuge. And when you learn that and you're not fighting with everybody out there to try to de demand your rights and my, you know, don't harm me because, you know, I am so important. And if you notice those, the I's and me's there, if you find yourself talking a lot about I and I, myself, me, then you need to look at your life and say, okay, what is it that I'm trying to defend so hard? And you'll probably look at what God's trying to take out of your life. And usually that's when we have struggles with other people is when I feel I'm being attacked and I'm going to have to strike back because I'm being put at pain. Instead of saying, okay, you know, I want to be like Jesus and just if, if they want to you know, attack me, then, well, you know, that's for God to defend. Try to put no fear there. Huh? Or try to put no fear there. Put, so I shouldn't fear anybody. Yeah, not fear so. them, not fear them, not even try to defend, you know. Is there times to defend ourselves? I think there may be times to defend ourselves, and I very carefully qualify that. There may be times. I think there's more times for us to defend others than ourselves. Yeah. Uh, this basically is I'm gonna let God defend my defend me uh, and I've always said that I do not believe that I can be angry without sin if I'm trying to defend myself because I'm usually trying to defend myself because I feel hurt I feel challenged uh, but if I'm trying to defend the church our church or my family that's a little different because that's, that gets us into righteous anger because I'm no longer angry that I got hurt. I'm angry that innocent people are being hurt. And there's a place for that kind of anger without sin. Uh, but I, I, I've thought about it many times over the years, and I just don't think you can get angry about something happening to yourself without sinning, without crossing that mark of sin because you're trying to defend you know, something that hurt you. Uh, and there may be somebody may be able to write, you know, you know, send me some message and say, well, this is a situation, so I'm not going to say there isn't any situation. Because when Jesus, when it said Jesus was angry, it was when he went into the temple and chased out the money changers. And he says, you, you will not make my father's house a den of thieves. And yet when they were, you know, pounding him with the nails and the, and the scourge and everything, he didn't get angry about that. He endured it because of what he was purchasing us. Uh, so, and like I said, maybe somebody will come and be able to tell me there's something that you can be angry about that happens to yourself. And I'm not going to rule out the possibility that it could happen. I've thought about it for many, many times. And I, I've never come up with anything, but I'm not that smart, so well, there may be something. It seems like he always weighs favor anyways on the person that comes towards you to accuse you. Once you help them see it in their own light, then they leave it alone. What's always funny is somebody will stand up to defend you if you don't defend yourself anyway. Uh, when I was working in restaurant management and somebody would be a, a total fool and just, you know, yelling and hollering at me and I was just, you know, being as nice as you possibly could be because you can't say anything to them, when you, especially when you work for a corporation. Uh, these people go, how can you put up with that? How, you know, this guy was a, was a fool. And going, you know, 
it doesn't hurt me that they're you know that they're being like that. You know, it's uh, they're really just making themselves look like a fool. And so I look at it the same way. If somebody's going to attack me personally for things, you know, for who I am in Christ, I'm not the one getting hurt in the long run. You know, and they may get some victory in the short run with certain people, but in the long run, God's going to reveal the truth and they're going to look like the fool for attacking. And it's the same way if we attack somebody or we get in somebody's face, you know, because they're not doing what we think they should be doing, and then we step back and all of a sudden, oh, wow, you know, God was working with them and, and I was trying to get them to go in the wrong direction or, you know, and then we find out that there's a reason for what was happening and we, and we end up kind of looking foolish, you know, ourselves. And that's why judgment is such a key thing, a key area to avoid. Jesus said that they stand and fall before their master, which is him, not me. Uh, nobody's going to follow the same path that I followed to get to, to over some sin, even if it's the same sin. They're not going to follow the same path that I was that I was brought along because God knows how to work on each person individually. And the other thing that I always share with people, you know, what I think is a really important sin for you to get out of your life might be very inconsequential to what God is working on in their life. You know, and the thing I like to use is somebody smoking, you know, you're worried about them smoking and you know, and they're using hard drugs or something you know nothing about. You're worried about the smoking and God's saying I'm worried about this drug habit that's, you know, that they're going to OD on in, in, in two months that I want to get out of their life. And I might, be, I might be able to get them to focus on their cigarettes. And they're, and they're not going to focus on what God wanted them to focus on. You know, so we've got to be so careful because we don't know anything about people's lives, really. Even when we know somebody fairly well, we still don't know everything about their life in most cases. We don't know what drew them to that place. We don't know where they're at. We don't know every little secret part of their life. And we've got to be careful. We want to pray for them. We want to encourage them. And we want to love them. And the thing that I have said over and over, grace changes people more than anything else. Showing people God's love and letting his love win them and then letting him work on their hearts changes people. To pound somebody with... You know, here's the law, here's the law, here's the law, doesn't, doesn't change them. It just puts them under condemnation. Now, I can't, I can't live that law, you know, and I'm, but you say, God loves you. God loves you, and I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to tell you that it's a sin, but I'm not going to worry about hammering on it. You know, but it is wrong, so you're going to learn that it's wrong, and that's between you and God. And then grace wins. <laughs> Grace wins, and the power of grace is so so strong and very important for us to understand. We're going to look at Galatians 4. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then... But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the sons of, son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of free. And this is very important for us, because when we're walking 
in the spirit, we're walking in Christ and his freedom, we will be persecuted by the world. We will be challenged by the world. You know, we'll hear things like, well, how, you know, you think you're better than we are and all these other things. But even more importantly, we're also persecuted by our own flesh. Our own flesh will try to drag us down and, and give us a hard part, hardship. And God is saying, we need to get rid of that. The, the, bond, the bond woman needed to be gotten rid of. And this again is going back to the story of Isaac where uh, Isaac and, and Ishmael, Ishmael was making fun of Isaac and, and, and Sarah saw it and said, you know, get rid of them. And God said, yes, get rid of them. They're not part of the, part of the, the promise. And we live according to his promise. We will continually be persecuted. We'll continually be given a hard time. We've been pretty much spoiled in America because we haven't been persecuted for being Christians and following faith. Uh, it's getting worse, getting worse, and very soon may be the place where we will start actually being martyred and, and put into prisons and stuff for our faith. And we want to be spiritually prepared for that, not worried about it, not anxious about it, but there is going to come that time. Whether it's in our lifetime, and I think it will be, but whether it is or not, we need to be constantly prepared. Because Jesus said, they hated me, they will hate you. And there are a lot of Christians around the world that are under persecution that look at America and say, what's wrong with us as Christians? <laughs> because we're not persecuted. And because they look at it and they say, huh? There's I'm not looking forward to persecution per se, but I know that it is part of the Christian life is to be persecuted uh, and given up, you know, and because we are different, we're, we're different from the world. And, and this is why I keep bringing up the disciples when they were persecuted, their attitude was, thank God that I'm worthy of suffering for Christ. So the sad thing is possibly in America, we haven't been worthy of suffering for Christ. You know, and I'm not saying that every single person's been that way, but there may be, and, I, and if you look at the history of Christianity in America, it's been an up and down, up and down ride, and there's been lots of times when people held on to the morality of the Bible without the truth of the Bible and the scriptures, and there's lots of times over the history where that's been true. Okay, they stayed, they stayed moral to the Bible, but there's really not been any power behind it and possibly not many saved Christians behind it. Uh, and this country being founded on the morals of the Bible and the, and the truth of the Bible uh, has not always been a strong Christian element. It's just been, oh, it's a good, good way to live. And we are now starting to slip from that. The morals of the Bible are starting to leave this country which means, of course, that those of us who live according to the God's way will stand out like a sore thumb and will draw attacks. And that's what's happening even today. Uh, 
and we're seeing it happen. You know, all these all these lawsuits are coming because Christians don't want to be participants of same-sex marriages or transgender issues with with bathrooms and churches and stuff. You know, there's all these issues that are coming up where where they make a stand on the scriptures and then people criticize them for having the audacity to have an absolute standard. You know, and that is where we're going to run into our biggest problems when we say this is what God says. I've been reading Fox's Book of Martyrs again, and you know, that the whole idea was that they had standards in, in the Roman Empire, which was very much like today's world, and they would be arrested because of the audacity to say that there's a standard that, you know, that you're not agreeing with the government that you know you should be able to do anything, and this is where we're going to get into trouble. And we see it in this country. We see the laws changing. We see, we see the aspects changing where Christians are not fitting in to the world the way it is moving. In America and in Europe, and Europe's ahead of us in that aspect. Uh, but we see that Christians aren't going to fit into this world. And we're not supposed to, really, because we are ambassadors from a different world that that has a you know different set of rules and we need to act according to the rules that we know are right for for God and it will put us at odds with the world and the world will persecute back and the more our the more our rules are different from the world's the more we're going to get persecuted and we're seeing it which is one of the reasons I believe we're in the end times because we're being pushed we're being pushed, and people are saying, "Give up what you want to believe and become what we are." <laughs> you know, no, no absolutes. Just accept anything and everything. And we as Christians can't do that if we're going to honor God. If we're going to live according to the Spirit, we cannot throw away what we know to be true. And it's going to be a hard world. It's going to be a very hard world at, at some point. And I've said this before, you know, when I was a teenager, I always thought I would be at some point arrested for being a Christian. I never planned on being a missionary and be behind the Iron Curtain or anything. And as a teenager, it made no sense to me because the laws were nothing like what they are now. And now I look at it and, you know, I speak out against homosexuality and, and fornication and adultery and, and all these things that the world says are okay. There's going to come a point in time where I will probably end up in prison because of making a stance for God. I hope I've influenced enough lives that if and when that happens, that whoever, that somebody will step up into what I'm doing and, and take just as strong a stance and, you know, the church will keep going for a short time until they're arrested and then somebody else will step up and... Well, it's for everybody to work together as a church, like yeah. you said, and if it works, starts with the and then each person down below yeah. and and it's what happened in the early church during the time of the, of the martyrs their leaders would be hauled away because they took a stance and then somebody would come up and say well I'll preach as long as as long as I can until they carry me away uh, and so it's important that we we learn to follow God we learn his word uh, we we learn to follow him to the best of our abilities as, as he changes us and and that's the fun of it he changes us it makes it easy yeah all right let's close in prayer 
Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and ask you to help us to understand what it means to be a child of promise and, and how, what, what that means in your kingdom. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.